welcome to today's podcast. I'm Libby Hall, and with me are Oyster CEO Buddy Doyle and consultants Fred Wagstaff and Jay Donnelly. When you form your own RIA, you must establish what entity you want to be. As part of our series on starting your own investment advisor, we'll be talking about the different options and the things to consider, like tax and cash flow ramifications and the immediate interim and long-term impacts of your choice. Okay, thanks, Libby, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Fred Wegstaff and Jay Donlin. Welcome back, Jay. Fred, thanks for joining us. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Good to be here. All right, so today we're talking about establishing your entity. And when you form your RIA, like any other business, this is one of the decisions that you have to make. And these decisions will have some consequences for you. I always encourage people to get advice from experts and and more than one uh, on occasion, because I think when you're establishing your entity, it's going to have some ramifications on how you're taxed, uh, but it can also have ramifications on how you handle your capital. And so with that, uh, Fred, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the kinds of entities uh, you've worked with and uh, maybe kind of run down some of the thoughts that you can think through from a uh, what kind of firm you want to create. Okay, sure thing, uh, buddy. You know, one of the first things that uh, comes to my mind uh, to be decided, you know, when establishing a new entity, you know, is is what's the legal construct going to be like, right? So, you know, and, you know, will it be a sole proprietorship? Will it be a, a C Corp? Will it be an S Corp or an LLC, et cetera, right? So, um, you know, I think each of those, uh, you know, types of uh, legal constructs, you know, has positives and negatives, you know, it, it, for, at least from where I sit from a financial perspective, you know, I think you, you do your, your words are wise, you know, consult with, you know, someone to assist you, right, in this process, you know, and that's, I, I always think, that, you know, in this process, a good attorney and a good uh, tax advisor are, you know, really uh, prudent to have, you know, as you go through this process and establishing an entity. So, um, and, and it all depends upon your circumstances, right? In terms of, you know, how you want to construct this or how you need to construct it, right? You know, I think that's, uh, you know, so- certainly something that um, you should do. And there's, you know, obviously the way you construct the, uh, you know, the legal entity, you know, has tax consequences and, um, you know, and some of them are substantial depending upon, again, your, the circumstances of the, the individual and what their goals are. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things is how many people are are with you on this, right? Are you going to be a sole owner of the company or are you pulling in partners or, or other shareholders or members, depending on the, the way this is structured? Um, Jay, any thoughts on kind of the partnership angle and and kind of bringing more than one person to the table? Yeah, buddy, all good points. Um, you know, how many people are going to come along with you? you? You might not know that right away. I mean, you might you might just want to sit down and think about what is your, you know, what is your two year, your five year, your ten year goal? You know, you might not have partners now, but you could have partners in five years that you want to have a structure that you can, you know, apply to that. Um, that partnership uh, pretty easily while you're you're kind of building this thing out of the gate. Um, the other thing is is transition. You know, at the end of the day, if you're uh, you know going to retire in 10 years, you want to make sure that you have a succession plan, and the type of entity might make it easier 
in that succession. Um, you know, also for, you know, uh, as you continue to wind down yourself, you know, you, you want to have an entity still going. You don't want to be, you don't want the entity tied strictly to you um, if that's what you're choosing to do um, with the, and have the partnership continue to go uh, after you retire. So there's all those different questions that need to be uh, just thought about, you know, and considered when you're kind of going out of the gate. It's not hard to adjust you know, the kind of entity you're, you have, um, it's just some legal work and, and maybe some tax, tax things that need to get done. But if you can establish kind of the most flexible, uh, type of entity for you out of the gate, it just may, uh, lend to more efficiencies later on. Yeah. And I think when you're thinking about partnerships and bringing folks in, it's important to think through, the immediate impact of that, but also the interim and long-term impacts of these decisions that you're making. You know, think about what happens if your firm is wildly successful um, and uh, becomes very valuable, but you have a partner that isn't as valuable, right? How are you going to work yourself through that challenge where you could have someone with a large amount of equity in your organization that uh, is, is no longer contributing. Um, how do you want to deal with that? Do you want to have the hands-on equity partners that are part of the business? Uh, are you looking for capital but don't want them as involved in the business? Um, so if you're going to go outside your firm and, and raise some capital, there's some considerations to take uh, on that front as well. Uh, Oyster is an S corporation for our holding company with LLCs underneath. And one of the challenges of having an S corporation is all our shareholders have to be individuals and we all have to be here in the US. Um, that is part of the tax construct where we are a pass-through entity. So uh, I have the privilege of paying uh, taxes on oysters profits, whether I put them in my pocket or whether I leave them in the company. And that can be challenging uh, for, for different organizations. LLCs give you a, uh, some similar flexibility in terms of how you handle pass through for taxes. Um, however, you can raise money from institutional investors uh, with an LLC structure. So you really want to talk to some folks about those uh, various uh, ways of constructing your firm. But again, I think you know a lot of times when you when you're getting started, you're all excited, uh, you're all ready to go, you're trying to run fast, you're trying to run hard. But if you're running together as an organization, you need to take that moment and ask yourself. Is my time horizon and my partner's time horizons the same? And if not, that can factor into how you structure that kind of entity. Um, another thing to think about in terms of funding your entity is, and what structure to use, is how you're going to try to fund that entity. Uh, if you're going to own this in your RIA, there may be some challenges to having a an LLC or an S corp or a partnership in your IRA. Arms may not allow you to put that there. So maybe that's a C corp. You know, Jay, one of the things that uh, often comes with uh, different 
types of organizational structures is how you can manage the liabilities. When you think LLC, it's a limited liability corporation. How do you look at liability when you're when you're putting these entities together, Jay? And uh, what do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, buddy. Uh, you know, risk management is always a key with any any organization that you uh, that you have or participate in, and you want to make sure that whatever structure you do choose, that you do have a layer of liability protection for yourself. You know, your personal uh, assets as well as um, you know yourself, uh, your, your personal income, and and you know, there's different things you can do, different structures. You know, you mentioned. Uh, limited liability corporations, LLCs, C-Corps are similar in that way, um, you know, where you can uh, make sure that, uh, you know, there's a layer of liability protection in there. Of course, you can buy insurance, you know, to to offset some uh, liabilities. You, you just don't know what's going to pop up over the time of your, of your entity that could, um, you know, create a lot of issues, whether it be from you know, some sort of uh, property casualty loss or a client complaint, a regulatory action, those sort of things. Um, I mean, it can lead to a pretty significant, you know, liability on your part if you don't structure it correctly at the at the start. And of course, even with your entity, you're going to have to face the banks. Or if you're taking out a loan or have a line of credit, uh, they may ask for your personal guarantees. Regardless, certainly if you use uh, SBA, the Small Business Administration, to fund this, they're going to be looking for guarantees from you uh, to help back some of that. So I think you can try to limit your liability as best you can, but realize your creditors are going to be looking through these entities to your holding company, or if you have a holding company, and to sister companies, they're going to wonder how these things are being managed independently and, and thinking through it when, when times get tough. So you may not be in the same framework of how you manage your liability when uh, the time comes to face some consequences for decisions. But I think having this plan is really important. Having this framework can be really important. And it seems to me that being a sole proprietor where everything's just in your your personal name isn't quite as segregated as as the rest of it. And for, for me, being able to segregate different types of businesses, measure them independently, whether they're inside of an entity or outside, uh, is part of why we're structured the way we are. And I mentioned before, we are an S corporation in our holding company. We didn't start out that way. We actually did convert to an S corporation. It was a fairly painless thing that we did. It was just a little bit of paperwork. But when we decided after kind of running the firm for several years that we wanted employee ownership beyond just our founders, uh, we did that for the purpose of having uh, not just employees as members, uh, but there were some consequences into how you count things for benefits and others when you're when your owners or your employees, you want to make sure there's some way to distinguish certain activities uh, so that you can sort of look like a company to the IRS, uh, look like a company to your benefits providers, 
and like, like all the owners are just out for themselves. So something also to consider. Yeah, buddy, you also mentioned, um, you know, personal guarantees and, and people may think, oh, well, you know, if, if uh, I've got such a great business, you know, they, they would just see my business plan and, and they would just go ahead and let the organization take, take on that responsibility. It's not the case. Um, I've been involved in, in businesses that were 30, 50 years old and underwriting is still requiring personal guarantees. So it's very unlikely as a startup or even uh, some, you know, even a company that is, is older than, uh, you know, several years that you're going to get away with if you're going for financing, whether it be SBA or not, without a personal guarantee uh, for that lending. Yeah, I think you can get debt financing for a lot of things as well, especially in this RIA world where there are banks that are very focused on funding recruiting, uh, funding liftouts. Um, so there, there is financing available in the form of debt. And that's another kind of thing that you think through, right? What is the long-term cost of debt? What is the long-term cost of equity? And the answer is, I've found, it depends. Uh, if you're wildly successful, then equity is expensive, um, but it probably feels pretty good even if you're the one that was using equity get, to get the organization funded when you're wildly successful. Uh, if you're not, then debt probably feels worse. Um, so I think that is something to, to keep in the back of your mind is that Either side of this, no matter how you go, think about it over the one, three, five, seven, ten year, whatever your career looks like for this entity, and uh, think about the different paths that you can go down. And uh, again, I would talk to people who've done this before, uh, and it actually helps if you talk to people that have gone all the way through the process before, not just starting an RIA starting an RIA and then exiting that RIA uh, for various reasons. And that can be, can really help you line up your, your goals to your reality. Fred, any other thoughts on uh, things that uh, advisors should consider when they're starting an RIA as it comes to the legal entity that they're putting together or the capital structure that they're putting together? Uh, buddy, I think the thing that you just just hit on the you know equity versus you know debt you know uh, decision that needs to make uh, that needs to be made in a lot of cases. I think that's that is extremely important. And again, I, I echo what you said. I think it's you know uh, it really has to be uh, you know weighed very carefully by whoever you know the owner is and whoever the owner or owners are going to be, and they need to you know weigh the options and. Um, you know, and I think it's a it, it really depends upon the circumstances around that entity and who, what their objectives are as to what, you know, whether it should be debt or equity. My advice is if you reach out to somebody for advice and you ask them this question and they give you a snap answer, have somebody else uh, that's going to ask a lot of questions to find out who you are, what you're about and what you're trying to put together. And as you're dealing with, if you do have partners that you're bringing to the table, have good, honest conversations with them about their time horizons, what they're looking for out of the company. You want to know what's coming. 
uh, as best as you can. You want to know if you plan on sticking around for 10 years longer than one of your partners or 10 years shorter than one of your partners so that that is in the plan as you transition. Uh, if you're doing this to, to make money and fund your retirement, uh, you're going to want to have funding at the end of this uh, instead of equity in an existing business potentially. Um, you may be comfortable taking profits for the long run, but will you be comfortable taking profits from a company you're not involved in managing? So lots of different things to think through uh, as you go through it. Take your time, address it carefully with good tax and legal advice, as well as the advice of your peers, and you should be okay. And buddy, I, you know, to tag on to something that you said just a little bit earlier about um, uh, asking a lot of questions, right? I think that's extremely important. I kind of look at it from the perspective of, you know, surround yourself with uh, an advisory group, right? And and look to friends and and professional, you know, friends, attorneys, and tax, you know, uh, tax advisors and things of that nature that can really assist you in just you know throwing out things that, that needs to be discussed and you know get them to help you in any way that they can through their experiences thanks everybody for listening if you'd like to learn more about how oyster can help you start your own investment advisor contact us at oysterllc.com and we'll be happy to chat if you like what you heard today follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to and give us a review Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.